0: You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Torchwood, so that you don't have to. I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Simon. Um, Oh, this was a change of plan, wasn't it? The reason why (laughs) there's a sudden change of plan this week because we we were up in the air. (laughs) Well, we were planning to talk about season two this week, but now we're going to have to uh, talk about season two next week on account of the fact that not a single one of us has watched a single story from season two. Or maybe just one of us hasn't watched a single story from season two. (laughs)
1: Hang on, that's not what I said.
0: I didn't say that's what you said. I just said it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it true?
1: No, it's not true. Uh, How many stories have you watched from season two? um, Well, obviously I've not watched all of the Crusade. crusade, Oh, now
0: he's... For obvious reasons. Now he's fudging. No, I've never
1: watched The Chase. Okay. I've watched all the others. Fair enough. But I didn't feel like I judged the season properly without having as much. Have you watched any of The Chase now? Yes, I've watched the first episode.
0: Bloody <laughs> awful, isn't it? What's wrong, Simon?
1: <laughs> well, I should save
0: this for the season two episode, but I, No, you got, can talk I, about you can talk about the whole of The Chase, once you've watched the whole of okay, The Chase, yeah, but, but tell say, us what you thought of episode one.
1: What did I think of episode one? My god, it's just so weird. It's, <clears> it's, it's invented a completely new level by which I... Appreciate Doctor Who. Do you know what's better? <laughs> Go on.
0: If you watch the chase in the company of several people who've had
1: alcohol. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, yes, it's hilarious. Oh, it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Right. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know the really sad thing is, though, it was how how the time space visualizer links up with my story, the Amber Room. Oh. No, no, I'm not saying that for the sake of it. It's just weird. It's just really odd. I I had no idea how the space-time visualizer worked. And then they said how oh, it worked. And I thought, that's really stupid. And then I started thinking, yeah, that's kind of how the Amber Room works in a story. Which kind of undermines my story, but anyway. but It, has it does make a my favorite... story sound really stupid. Yeah. No, I, I well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is that episode one of The Chase has... My favourite ever scene from Doctor Who now. It's my new favourite. Which is? Which is the Dalek coming out of the sand. Oh, it's not Ian dancing to the Beatles. Oh, what, the sort of weird yeah. thing he's doing with his hand behind his head. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> brilliant. Oh, yes. It's great. No, no, it's the Dalek coming out going, Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I've been down under that dust for God knows how long. and It's just brilliant. Oh, <clears> it's,
0: <throat> it's just great. He's basically making the same noise as I do when I come out from under the duvet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, that's a Bloody how it's going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> you just wait till you see episode two.
2: Okay.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> Although I've said the DVD's
1: been touched up a bit.
2: Is that the right word to use? Is that my right expression? I'm I think sure. so.
1: <laughs> Wasn't well, it Briggs overdubbed that bit? No. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: No, 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 the pictures have been touched up a bit. okay. There's um, one scene that famously took place after dark that was in broad daylight. So they've darkened it up so that it doesn't suddenly go into daylight and then back into nighttime
1: again. Yes, it's cheating, isn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, doing like the effects in Day of the Daleks, that's not really cheating, is it? That's just kind of making it a little bit more special. No,
0: that's an alternative, yeah. But, uh the bit where, um, I think, if I remember rightly, I could be remembering this completely wrong. The bit the, that's now in darkness that was in daylight before is the bit where the Dalek falls over. <laughs> <laughs> so the oh, bit yeah. where the Dalek falls over isn't as funny as it used to be when it was in broad daylight. If I remember rightly, I could be remembering that
1: completely wrong. Oh, I love the bit with the darts going through the swinging doors as well. It was brilliant. The fact that they've, their time machine is essentially a swinging door that opens out onto another swinging door. So they've <laughs> people driving the Daleks must have thought, bloody hell, are they trying to help us or what? <laughs> it's like a kissing gate for Daleks.
2: It's just... Isn't it so they can just go round and round and round? So it's like there's loads of Daleks coming out. Well, there's five yes. of them.
1: I did count them because I thought it was going to do that, but they only went to five.
2: But well, there were only there were only two. <laughs> yeah, there are only like three Daleks. So <laughs> now, the first one has to pedal really, really quickly to get behind the last one coming out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. So you've got
2: to go through again. Two
1: more times. Oh bloody hell! My knees. You've seen what's
0: his face's hair? Who's the guy inside the Daleks with the hair? He was in. Um... Nobody's
2: got hair in the Daleks at the moment. I'm talking about 1965, oh, Lee. Oh, well, well,
0: well. Uh, although I don't think he was mm. in the Daleks back then, well, anyway. The, old, the older chap. The guy from you know? Mine or Mine. <sighs> well, he was the granddad in Mine or Mine. He had that great scene on the beach. Oh, know, what's I his can't name? I not
2: think of him. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Ooh, close.
0: Anyway, this is why his hair is like it is, because of all the static electricity that builds up inside the Daleks when you pedal really, really, oh, really? quickly.
2: <laughs> is that a... No, Really? No. <laughs> I would have believe that. Oh, my God. That's a good story.
0: For the second time tonight, Lee, I'm going to ask you, has anybody ever called you a twat?
2: <laughs> you have, earlier on.
0: Yes, and I'm about to do it again.
2: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> Let's talk about Torchwood, shall we? Go on. Then. Okay, seeing as we've brought this forward by a week, without any...
1: Oh, sorry, I was doing a weird thing in my hands.
0: Yeah, without any notice, we've got... Well, how much research have we done?
2: Well, do you know what? I mean, if we'd have gone for season... We've
0: got three if, books in front of us with the lists gone, of all the episodes if inside If we'd have gone them. for
2: season two, then it would have only been, Simon, at a disadvantage with The Chase. As it is, now we swapped it over. <laughs> I think we we're all at a disadvantage with Torchwood because you've got books all over the place.
0: Yeah, so we can remind ourselves of the episodes. But, it has to be said... I think doing it without research without doing
1: your um background mm, mm. stuff is the honest way to do it and that's how I always and do it. And it kind of podcast. relates to what with class coming up it's um sorry class uh coming up it's that same area where we are kind of we, yeah. can, we can talk about how we were when we first heard about Torchwood and we succeeded because there's, there's a lot of parallels.
0: <clears throat> well I don't recall the timeline of how everything Slotted in. Does anybody remember when the Torchwood announcement was made? And was Sarah Jane already on by this point?
1: Sarah Jane was well on its way, wasn't
0: it? Martha turns up in the second series of Torchwood, right? Mm. So the first series of Torchwood must have been between series two and series three of Doctor Who. Yeah, it was obviously... And it went over the Christmas as well, wasn't it? So it was late 2006 into early 2007. Mm. So the announcement about Torchwood would have come at the start of 2006. Okay, yeah. So that Mm. was probably... I mean, if they were nine months filming it, and they finished filming it, roughly speaking, maybe November time, they must have started filming it roughly the same time as series two of Doctor Who was on the air. Mm. Mm. So the announcement Mm. of Torchwood... Must have come either while Series Two was on the air, or even before Series Two went on the air. Well,
2: there was mentions, wasn't there, in the. Well, not it Doctor Who off? from uh, the Werewolf episode and before? Oh, okay. Torchwood was mentioned, wasn't it? So it must have been bubbling. It was in the
1: Christmas
0: invasion, League.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. So it must have been bubbling. Well, yeah, well, the first mention they... of
0: Torch was in Bad Wolf, where Rose is doing the quiz on um, I've got Weakest a funny
1: Link. Funny oh, feeling God, it was announced well, yeah. before the start of Season Two. Because when the Wolf episode came on, it was like, oh, hello, that's a link. Maybe that's my memory cheating. but Maybe, because no, we no, didn't no. know. That... I think you're right. Did... I think it was announced before Series 2.
2: But we weren't sure whether Captain Jack was leaving at that point, were we?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. were we? Captain Jack had left. He, he wasn't in the Christmas was invasion. In... We'd was just was seen he... him come alive again, hadn't we? So yeah. we didn't know
1: any more about him. From that point so on. after Partner of the Ways, mm. yeah.
0: Mm. Partner of the Ways was June 2005. We're talking now January, February, March 2006. Okay. So we're talking. So when was Torchwood out? Would it have been
2: 2007? Oh my god, Lee, were you listening to anything I just said? No, I blank when you talk. But no.
0: Torchwood Series 1 <clears throat> ran from the autumn of 2006 to January of 2007. Okay. I think the last episode, I think there was one episode in 2007. Hmm. I think that if I remember rightly, the penultimate episode, the one with the um oh what was he called, the guy with the funny face?
2: <laughs> uh, what the frog looking guy. Yeah, what was he
0: called? Mr. Something or something like <laughs>
2: Mangle or something like that. <laughs> we'll
0: call him Mr. Oh, Mangle. Yeah. 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 In yeah. the shop. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. episode... Was that episode 12 and 13?
3: <laughs> this is going to be the yes, worst Torchwood it was. ever yes. it was.
0: Mm. It's
2: going to be the worst Torchwood review ever. This yes, we're not <laughs> reviewing Torchwood,
0: Lee. What we're doing is an episode saying, oh, what do you remember of Torchwood? Okay, go on then. So this is going to be... This is going to be a Memory Cheats episode, basically. It really is. Don't I don't me. mean Memory Cheats the podcast. I mean Memory Cheats the notion mm. that the podcast named after. What we're going to do is... Try and remember Torchwood. And there's a very good reason why we're trying to remember Torchwood. And, okay, let's... Cards on the table. Before we go back and start remembering, oh, this bit and that bit and when did it start and all this kind of other stuff. Simon, Mm. did you like Torchwood?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. Well, Uh, why don't
0: you remember it better then? (laughs) it's slowly seeping talk about taking my point throwing it on the floor and stomping all over it well you know
1: you're asking me a question (laughs) did I like Torchwood yes uh, I liked I liked the idea dramatically of it
2: Uh, I don't look
1: uh, okay my best way of saying did I like Torchwood I mean going back to when it was first announced we were still riding on the wave of positivity from what RTD had done so it was kind of there was an element of thinking the guy can do no wrong yeah and then the idea of Torchwood. Oh, my God, it's an anagram of Doctor Who. Even just something like that. We're such bloody nerds that that, that, that is a big thing. Well, you That's know like where that really... came from. Go on. Well, when Doctor Who was in production,
0: before the first series was on, mm. when they were passing around tapes of it, because pe- or tapes or discs or whatever it was, because people had to see it and it had to move from one department to another for somebody to put the special effects on and all this kind of stuff... They knew that Doctor Who nerds are the kind of people who are most au fait with the internet and how computers work. So in order to try and stop, you know, episodes leaking and all right. this kind of stuff, <clears throat> to disguise it, instead of passing around Doctor Who episode one, Doctor Who episode two, they used an anagram. And the anagram they
1: used was Torchwood. So it was a Blue Harvest thing then. Mm. now you say that i remember that now right okay yeah so it wasn't as clever but i think that's still clever but um so all in all i thought it was it was an exciting thing a spin-off um until i heard the bit about it being a more adult orientated and i just kind of hoped it wasn't going to go as adult as it did initially
2: that was well, that was my only worry. I agree. But, I I agree entirely what you just said because this is quite important to us because we were around at the time of Doctor Who coming back and getting excited about. It. We're old nerds. Be interesting to see what. Um, Youngsters like my son, listeners. Well, this is what I was going to talk of later. Didn't have that experience of being really excited about even the word torchwood. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember becoming in in pounds when I heard that. I thought, well, that's great. That's a brilliant idea. What, what? you did? What? Sorry, the word that's, that's not going to really do much good when we start saying about it was a bit too adult. <laughs> That's my point. I'm just warming up. I oh, come, okay. um, no, but it was it was. We we really did get mega excited about this. To me, it was I was a bit childish about it. I, thought, I cannot wait for this to come out. I was speaking of yourself, didn't we? I did. I loved the idea of it, and so did a lot of friends of mine. When it came out, I was really disappointed, but I thought we got better.
0: Here's my experience of Torchwood in a nutshell, and this will be where I'm coming from throughout the rest of this podcast. This is what I was asking, really. When it started, because it was Doctor Who universe, what I'd been doing with Doctor Who was every time an episode was on, I'd watch it twice before the next one was on. Mm -hmm. And so I assumed I'd be doing the same with Torchwood, thinking it's in the Doctor Who universe. It'll be like Doctor Who, except, you know, it'll just be a little bit more set after dark and stuff. And so I assumed I'd be watching each episode of Torchwood again at least once, if not twice, before the next one was on. I watched the first one a second time, but not anymore. And I continued to watch the episodes a second time before the next one came on, up until Random Shoes, episode seven. Mm. And after Random Shoes, that was it. Every episode after that, just once. When series two came on, and they said, Oh, series two has improved over series one. Mm. I watched the first episode as it went out. And then rather than just watch the first episode again, I watched the version that they put on before the watershed. Okay. Yeah. To see, uh, A, to see what the differences were. And B, because I was thinking, now I'll start up my rewatching each episode before the next one comes mm. on again. Mm. And the second watch of that one, again, I didn't no. bother again after that.
3: Okay.
0: But. Here's the thing. This is not a judgment on the quality of it. This is a judgment on my taste. Yes. It wasn't to my taste. And obviously, I bought the box sets because it's Doctor Who Universe and you do. Mm. And I always assumed that at some point, I'd sit down and watch it all the way through and have a new appreciation for it Mm. with a little bit of time and perspective and distance. And... Sad to say, it's just one of those things I've never got around to.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, here we are, and I've seen all these episodes once, apart from the first episode of Series 2 and the first seven episodes of Series 1. <laughs> mm.
2: That's but, what I'm asking, really. Yeah. Lee,
0: we didn't really get Lee to answer about how you felt about it once it was on, just in a nutshell. Uh,
2: um, How did I feel about it when it was on? I've... Yeah, I mean, there's... Could go on forever, but it felt like it wasn't quite moulded properly to me. Even as I was watching it, I was thinking, There's something not there's something missing. What am I missing here? Um, there was a lot missing out of it actually. But I kind of you know, when the opening episode kicked off, there was quite an adult theme, it was quite detective views, you know, CSIE, that sort of thing, whatever was, echo- you know, it was echoing a lot of stuff at the time with aliens and I thought, this is alright, this is a, this is gonna be okay. By the time we got third or fourth in, I think same as you actually, it might have been by random shoes. I was starting to think is can this is this going to get any better or is it staying at this kind of odd level of trying to just impress all mm. ages mm. with lip service of adult Well hood. getting
0: to the sort of
2: Yeah.
1: I was gonna say it's an odd position to be in as a as an avid Doctor Who fan, to be to become a casual viewer, well, of something is, Doctor Who related. I think that's how it was. I like you. I watched it once, and then probably didn't take a lot of it in. I think I possibly ended up missing a couple of episodes. The ones where, um, more down to my probably my relationship at the time, um, that I didn't find the time to sit down and watch it properly. So mm-hmm. that the episode with the people in the from the past aeroplane, yeah, <clears> and I'd <throat> heard good things about it.
2: Captain Jack Hartness, and that was called.
1: Yeah. No, 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 that was out of time. He's talking about out of
2: time. The Captain oh, yeah. Triganelli. Were they connected? Were they connected? No, Captain. There's one where one of the characters Jack falls Harkus. in love with
1: somebody who's come from the past. And kind of, it reminded me. Oh uh, yeah, I remember she that was, because it reminds uh, me of the Star Trek: Next Generation. Yes, yeah. she was one about. of the nurses from No
0: Angels, the Toby Whithouse thing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the Captain Jack Hartness
1: one. That's series two, isn't it? Yeah. Where it goes yeah. back in time. I
2: think the story's... And I oh, it's think... Owen, actually. Isn't and I think falls enough sorry and
1: Literally, I haven't revisited it because I was waiting for the box set to get cheaper. And I think it just went out of my mind.
2: <laughs> what? Outrageous. <laughs> well, you
1: know, I, I thought it would at some stage because of how it had yeah. panned out. And as it was, because it picked up speed for Series 2, I don't think the box sets did reduce in price. So it's just one of those things I never got round to it. Yeah, for possibly, Christmas time, what box set do you have? We yeah, have Doctor Who, don't you? You can have
2: mine
0: for a 10, Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Mine for nine ninety nine if you want. It's penny cheaper.
0: <laughs> Mine was tenner for the pair. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Now I think you're right about riding on the crest of a wave. There was this, there was this thing we were talking about it in the last podcast we about RTD's crest of a wave, and everybody was like, "Hey, hallelujah! This this whole um, <clears throat> you know Doctor Who thing is amazing. We can't do any wrong." Mm. Um, and Torchwood was one of those things, and we were kind of all kind of swept into it. But I'm. Um, it's almost like you know you've. The the wave has crashed on the beach and it's bringing all this kind of weird debris and it hasn't quite fixed together. So I don't know what was going on with RTD and his his kind of arrangement of the series and um, and what the writers were thinking of doing and what the you know the the team of um the design team and stuff like that. What what were they all were they all talking mm-hmm. to each other? It did feel really kind of odd and disparate in the first season.
1: I think I've said it before, though, that the whole adult theme, I don't have an issue with that because I thought, well, they could touch on subjects they wouldn't normally touch on. But what it felt like was kind of the equivalent of the late night Hollyoaks episodes Hmm. where there are just, there's a bit more, there's a few sex scenes, there's a bit more swearing, and it didn't feel like they needed to be there. Which comes back to what you were saying about watching season two again in the edited format. Because in of theory, just The edited just as format strong. was like
0: 20 seconds shorter. That's how little they had to cut out to get it into the pre-order yeah. said shed, uh, shed slot. Mm. That's all the difference there was in that episode. Mm. And that was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the one with John Masters. Mm. 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 Um, oh, I should mention at this point that what we're intending to do... What we were intending to do was watch Cyberwoman and then talk about Cyberwoman and then talk about Torchwood. And I said instead it would be more interesting to talk about Torchwood before we watch Cyberwoman because then our memories of Torchwood would be coloured by having seen it again. So Mm. literally these are memories of the, what, eight, nine, ten years ago. Ten years ago now, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Just about. Mm. Um, Episode one of Torchwood. Well, here's the thing. People always say, oh, or look back at it and see it as it was kind of advertised as being show run by Chris Chibnall, which ain't quite true, of course. But then, obviously, at the set by the same token, it wasn't exactly show run by Russell T Davis either. Mm-hmm. I believe the way it worked is Russell T. Da- Russell T Davis wrote the first episode and was in charge of the first series and brought Chris Chibnall in as kind of his backup kind of as kind of junior showrunner to kind of be the guy there to do the day-to-day stuff because obviously Russell T. Davis was all over Doctor Who so he couldn't be there on a daily basis like somebody would need to. So instead of being like a producer, Chris Chibnall was like in the producer's position in terms of running the stories. So I guess in a way... And and this is only if I'm understanding this right, because I may have got this completely wrong, but the way I understand it is, on that first series, Chris Chibnall's job was more like Robert Holmes in the old days of Doctor Who, Mm. rather than Robert Holmes and Hinchcliffe together, which is kind of what Russell T. Davis was doing. And then in the second series, I think Chibnall had a much larger say in what actually happened. Mm, mm, mm. So that's perhaps the reason why that first series is... Well... Well, this is what people have said about Torchwood, that it's all over the place, that it jumps from one thing to another. But then with Doctor Who, isn't that kind of the point, that it jumps from one thing to another? Mm. So I don't see that necessarily as being the problem. I'll tell you what the first two problems that occurred to me were. The first one is that the first episode, Gwen gets involved in Torchwood, right? Mm. Meets Captain Jack, gets caught up in all the stuff that happens. And then you get the classic... And this is the classic, who's going to be the new Doctor Who companion. And this is what happens with Rose. When Christopher Eccleston first meets Rose, he sort of saves the day and then disappears. And then she has to track him down. Well, in the first episode of Torchwood, what happens? Gwen gets involved with Torchwood. He gives her the forgetfulness drug. And straight away, that's the first problem, because that, to me, is far too much of a metaphor for Mm. spiking somebody's drinks, this kind Mm. of stuff. Mm. What's the drug they're called? Retcon. No, no, no. What's the drug called that you put in a girl's drink to get her into bed? Rohypnol. Rohypnol. Yes! Retcon was far too much of a Rohypnol substitute for me. I thought that was very problematic. Mm. But the other problematic thing with that episode is you've got Gwen repeating Rosa's story beat for beat. Gets involved, gets left behind, has to track them down and get involved again. And at the end of the episode, it's like, okay, since you've tracked us down for a second time, why don't you come aboard? And I'm thinking, okay, Russell, you've told that story already. Mm. And I just, I kind of found that a problem straight away that I was just watching the same story again. Because mm-hmm. that was the beat of it. The bit where she goes away and comes back in the middle and it was just exactly what Rose did.
2: Yeah, it's proving herself, isn't it, to be part <clears throat> of the gang,
0: But it's not just proving yourself, because you, know, you can prove yourself without getting knocked back and fighting your way back. Or else, the fighting your way back is what you're doing from the start of the episode. Mm. See, the way it would have worked much better to me is if she finds out about this thing called Torchwood and spends the episode tracking him down. Mm. But that's not how it works. She gets involved with them from the off, and then they kick her out, and she comes back. Yeah, it's
2: an odd one, isn't
0: it? <laughs> and it struck me as way too much of a coincidence. Oh, we've got no place for you on our team. Oh, bugger, somebody's killed Susie.
3: It, it,
0: it, that first episode was just, you know, in writing fiction, you have to have a certain element of suspension of disbelief for coincidence. Because, you know, no story ever happens with that coincidence. These two people have fallen in love. Yeah, but I mean, look at the way they met. It was such a stupid coincidence. Well, of course it was, because you have to have people meeting before you can have them falling in love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so there has to be a certain amount of that. And it just, and that was what struck me about that first episode of Torchwood was just, by the end of it, suspension of disbelief was almost impossible. Because it, it was just that. Rather than that being the undertow to everything else, it mm. just seemed mm. to be. It just seemed to be that he'd written an episode completely out of story beats, rather than actually written a story.
2: It felt more like an ITV episode actually than a BBC, in a way. Yeah, a bit like I know a primeval type of type of way of describing it. Yeah, yeah, Does that make sense? That was f- yeah. yeah, It was a feeling. Yeah. I
1: mean, there were some lovely shots and. and what well, primeval started
0: with? very much ticking boxes. Yeah. Especially the first sort of
1: episode, two episodes. Because I'm trying to remember the story. Did Gwen become invaluable to the to the story to the, to what Torchwood we're trying to achieve? There's got to be some reason why she's because
2: being she dragged back into again. it because she found them again. I think so. Because That's she, how I remember she it. She beat she beat the forgetfulness drug. You know, mm. she beat the retcon. She tracked them down, and you know, it was it was about her personality and about whether or not she was going to be be able to fit into this gang and it just so happened that like you say susie gets killed and they bring her on board i think it was along those kinds of lines it was that that easy that simple mm. um you just thought it was, t- it was at a-
0: the midway point She's a copper, right? Mm. And you're thinking this is Torchwood. They're scientists, or at least ostensibly they are. And Captain Jack obviously he might not be a qualified scientist, but he's got hundred years or whatever it is of experience, and that counts for slightly alien, more alien than a stuff, yeah. yeah, counts for more than a qualification. And then she's a copper, and not only is she a copper, she's just a regular copper. She's not like a detective inspector or anything. Mm. It just struck me as implausible. How
2: would Stephen Moffat have written that episode?
0: How would he? <laughs> well, he wouldn't have written it like that, would he? No. i tell you what, Stephen Moffat would have... Uh, well, you know what Stephen Moffat's like for introductions. He likes to come up with something special.
1: As a comic fan, looking at it, I think one of the most interesting angles of it is the fact that you've got these this disparate group of people who have kind of stepped out of normal life. Put it this Let me ask you a question each, before you go each, any further. Yeah, go on. If these... Because
0: my huge problem with Torchwood is I don't find anybody in it likable. Mm, okay. Mm. Which is not the actors, I mean the characters. Mm. that They don't fit together to me. No. If those characters had been the X-Men, would you have thought it was a successful version of the X-Men?
1: No. No, because um, all, th- these are all flawed characters, which is fine. That gives depth to the characters, but they've got to somehow... Be battling to get over those flaws,
0: and they've got to be people rather than just the flaws.
1: But I think, and they seem to be acting upon their flaws in this first series. Yeah, and like
2: as soon as Gwen started yeah. having it away it's with different. Captain Jack, I just thought, oh,
1: really? Does it, does this need
2: to happen? Yeah, and then I think um, one of the characters steals a bit of tech to take home and uses it, and it, uh, as part of her day, de- and and Owen um, steals, so they all Greek, start geeks, 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 geeks bearing gifts, <laughs> <geeks, laughs> <laughs> so, so they steal bits. Of, you know, it's like, well, if you're that into your job and it's that important it's that serious to keep hold of all of this stuff in Torchwood why have these characters take it home just for story to happen I don't I quite like that in a funny way yeah but if it was one person doing it and that one person was always a bit kind of yeah a little bit you know ropey a little bit dodgy Mm. you could understand
0: it but everything I tell you what it is you get inside the hub and you're thinking and especially and this is what coloured this because in the Christmas Invasion, at the end of the episode, Torchwood destroys the Sycorax ship on um, What's mm. the Face's instruction. Mm. Mm. And you're thinking, right, Torchwood, whoever they are, that we've not seen on screen yet, they're comparable with something like the United Nations. Mm. They've got access to all this kind of stuff. And not, not only access to it, but the ability to use it. Mm. Because having access to it is one thing, but actually... Being able to use it, not just, not just the sort of technical ability to be able to find out which buttons you press, but also the wherewithal to do it. Mm. You're thinking that's quite impressive. This is going to be quite an impressive yeah, organization. Their
1: shield, essentially.
0: From, and then yeah. you see at the end of series two, this professional organization in Carrary Wolf with like, I don't know what you'd call them—not secretaries or PAs—but you've got various people mm. sitting at desks doing typing jobs, while there are presumably other people out in the field, and it's all an organisation with a hierarchy, and you know that pay—you know everybody in there's in a pension scheme. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's like a CIA operation, yeah. Mm. And then you get inside the hub, and it's five people. that are just so. Utterly ridiculously flippant about what they're doing. You actually wonder at the end of that first episode how they've ever managed to achieve anything. <laughs> and that doesn't go away.
2: That no. stays throughout the first mm. two series. Yeah. And these, all the, four series, and these really. are all the flaws, aren't they? But there is a, there is an odd thing about Torchwood. I don't know if you've got if you guys have got this, but I have. Well, I
0: was I've, just going to carry on and say. Yeah. Why I think that is, because I think Russell T. Davis wanted to write a version of Torchwood that reminds you of the Doctor who just sort of turns up out of nowhere, solves something off, you know, off his wits rather than being a professional at what he does mm. and goes away again. So Russell T. Davis is trying to write a version of Torchwood that reminds you of the Doctor and it doesn't work.
1: It's almost like reinvented unit at that early stage, isn't it? That's what I thought when I saw that torchwood. Like I thought, converse
2: what do we unit? need torchwood? Because that's kind of unit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's mini- so militaristic. We could have
2: had a unit series. Which would have been more adult? You could have, you could have had something like that with Jack Harness mm. doing the same kind of thing. It just seems odd that you would go off and do something as important in the Doctor Universe as Torchwood is. I mean, especially if you look at all the timelines of stuff and you know, do UNIT talk to Torchwood? What happens with Torchwood in the United Nations? What happens with this and that? God, you know, it's just the Doctor Universe is full of all these secret organisations that are a big, big and powerful. Um, it it just seemed we didn't need another one actually, but. Yeah, you're right. I think Captain Jack is supposed to be the Doctor in this—the mm. the kind of thing the Doctor would do if he was allowed to be naughty. John Barrowman's great, but he's
0: not—he's not the most plausible of actors. So when he's called upon
1: to do the serious stuff, he doesn't carry it in the same way he does. No, the it comes across as stuff. A, yeah, it comes across as swagger as opposed to. Kind of I mean, attitude. I yeah,
2: I mean, when he plays it down, there were some lovely moments throughout the whole series. And when mm. he plays it down, and he's and he's serious or he's touched, you know, he's, he's emotionally touched or whatever, they really work. I mm. think, and I quite like his cool as well. He has got a very cool way about, it, and that's what most of this was riding upon was the coolness of the idea. But when he does his kind of cheeky, you know, jibes and his action moments, I you're right, I can't. I find it very difficult to believe. They're quite difficult to... um,
0: Well, it's hard to take... The stuff where you've got scenes of him standing on the top of a building and the camera's going around him on a helicopter. That's that's what I mean. It looks great. It's cool. And in another series or with another character or if you'd played that organisation differently, that could have worked. But in the end, it just made it end up looking like... Go back to your school days. There were always people in school who thought they were the coolest people in school. Mm. And they were always the biggest knobs. And the reason why they were biggest knobs... <laughs> the reason why they were the biggest knobs is because... You look at something like the good, the bad and the ugly. And the reason Clint Eastwood is so cool in that is because he's not trying. Mm. Now, you go back to your school days and you remember all the cool kids in school... Or cool in inverted commas kids in school all the kids who are trying too hard and Torchwood is made up of people who are trying too hard not people who are just you know, naturally cool mm. you know, I don't, I don't mean like, that as a sort of criticism of the yeah, actors, yeah. but a criticism of the characters, because that's how they're written
1: Do you know what's interesting is if you go have a look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, funny saying about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as soon as I started watching I was thinking, wow, this is kind of Torchwood done a little bit better mm. Mm. 'Cause the Americans have know. got a
0: very, very sort of built in way of doing cool characters mm. who are cool because they're not trying to. No. No, I think there's
1: one in my view there's one character in the agents of shield which is slightly irritating because she's the cold cold hearted uh one who's was giving abrupt answers and all that sort of thing. But over time she you know, she even she sort of no oh, doubt, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm in complete agreement. It,
2: it... But that's, there's a the difference between the Americans and the, the British way of doing things, anyway. I think, and Torchwood is particularly different. Something like Agents of Shield, you've got con- like heroes, and any of the big series that are coming out, they've got a consistency mm. of tone all the way through it. Mm. They they can go all over the place if need be; they can go into outer space or whatever. But the tone of the whole episodes always feel very, very similar. Maybe too similar sometimes to to point where it can get a bit boring mm. with torchwood it's almost like you're delving into a, a bag of brand new flavoured crisps every week and it will be a bit rich and weird and you sometimes you like them sometimes you don't it's it's just hasn't got that consistency and it's not until we get to children of earth all the way through that so you get that to be honest that's a different beast really.
0: yeah okay. I don't think we're really going to talk about children no, no, because that is a different it series is, just different. with the same characters. same characters
2: but that's what I mean you know, if, they'd that, you know, if they'd have hit that we were all saying at the time that came out ah now if Torchwood had been like this yeah, we could have probably called this a classic series How it that. is I, I find it a guilty pleasure the
0: thing yeah the thing <laughs> about the different bag of crisps and the flavours are all a bit too <laughs> rich and a bit too weird that's great actually yeah That's a positive thing. That's one of those...
2: That's what I mean about guilty pleasure. It's
0: not even a so bad it's good kind of a guilty pleasure. It's just let's be enjoyable and let's not care.
2: Mm, Yeah.
0: But the thing is, I think the trouble with Torchwood is in the same way as I think the characters are all the try too hards. Is instead of saying let's just be fun and let's not care. I think what they're trying to do is say let's care and be fun. And it's like, no, you've got to take your foot off one of those pedals in order to accelerate on the other one. You can't really do both things at the same time. It doesn't work. This is one of the reasons why the Hinchcliffe and Holmes years are remembered so well by so many people. They're really not trying.
1: They're just having fun. They're just doing their thing. Do you know another thing? I don't know if this is a valid observation or not, is the fact that when you see Jack, in this new series, obviously, they're hoping to port people over from Doctor Who who like that character. And what's the first thing that happens is that Jack is a completely different person mm. because of what he's been through, which we find out later on. But he's not the warm, funny Jack that we've got used to. No. So there's no heart there. So you're re- rebuilding got, from the start. He's in star. a different realm. What they yeah.
0: should have done, the fix for this, mm. is that there should have been an Yvonne Hartman type character
1: who... Jack's second-in-command, too. Yeah, and then there's a strong relationship to build around. You think about the original Star Trek. That's it. You think about Kirk and Spock. You've got that, and they're two little stars circling around each other, and then everything else is built around it.
2: That was was supposed to be Gwen, though, wasn't it? But I don't think it worked. Yeah, I don't think it worked.
0: Because the hierarchy is the wrong way around. Yeah. So it's like... As you say, Gwen comes in, or as I said, Gwen comes in as a companion, and as you said to Captain Jack's doctor. Mm. Whereas, really, it should have been, it should have been that Captain Jack was the companion, to somebody else's doctor, and Gwen should have been our eyes and ears into the series. Mm. So a three I think that's there. why she she was brought into the rather
1: than being already in the organisation. Oh yeah, no, into, it yeah. absolutely yeah. had to happen that way.
0: If you remember the very first ever series of Spooks. Did you ever watch Spooks? No. The way Spooks starts, a lot of these programmes start this way. The way the way Spooks starts is with somebody who does something so brilliant that they have to bring them into the organization. It's men in black, isn't it? Yeah, it's how it works. Mm. Mm. You know, that's how you've got to tell that story because otherwise mm. because otherwise you do what the T V movie did and you start off with the doctor. Mm. And, you know, like I've always said, you take the first five minutes of the TV movie away, it's so much better because you're not starting with the Doctor anymore. But you start with the Doctor, an instant wrong footing. in. And, and when I say take the first five minutes, you can't literally just take the first five minutes off. But you have to sort of take the first five minutes out of the equation so that the balance of tone of the rest of the thing follows suit. Same with Torchwood. You know, starting off with Gwen is great. Mm. It's the only way you can do it. Mm. But it's just the way they started off with Gwen and where they took her. Because she's certainly she a strong it. enough actress yeah, to no, do it. There's no problem. There's some brilliant actors. Burn yeah. Gorman. Look oh, at Bern he, Gorman. He great. He, he's yeah. an amazing actor. Yeah. And here he is in Torchwood playing a character that everybody hated, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and all this thing now that you've got with all this love for Yanto and all that. Mm. I didn't feel any of that stuff when it was on,
1: and it's not the actor's faults. And I don't think the thing with the Anta that that changed when they started introducing some humour into his character, mm. where he was the one with the dry humour making the jokes in the I, background I all the I time. I liked that.
2: As soon as he had mm. more of a yeah, more of a character, he became much more likable, and I can understand why people kind of went, "Oh no, he's dead." We I think miss him. this starts
0: after Cyberwoman because I think I if I remember rightly, they actually had a trajectory for his character and he starts off dead serious and then in Cyberwoman you find out why. because mm. 'cause he's got a he's yes. got his girlfriend in the basement. But as soon as that story's <laughs> told and his secret's out of the bag, he can lighten up a bit. And I'm not I, I'm not sure, but I seem to remember that was actually deliberate. Okay. I could be wrong. Right. Mm. I guess we'll so find so out f- in an hour. Dysfunctional ratio, <laughs>
1: you, you've got that as well and and then
0: Oh, was thing I want to pterodactyls liked... as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the pterodactyl. <laughs> that just reminded me of um, Superman's... Um, no, sorry, the Batcave. Batcave, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Weird, weird stuff in there. And
2: I thought, oh, that's great. And then you don't see any more of it. Yeah, it's a bit of a waste, really. That would have been quite um, good to use that for something.
1: But going back to the relationships, dysfunctional relationships, maybe it's just me, I didn't want to see see that. I didn't want to see Gwen... shagging Jack. Ha- shagging Jack. Or, or, or Owen. Or what? Owen.
2: Or everybody else, because she's got
1: a husband at home. It's like, and I don't mean yeah. That, can't no, we I just
2: tell
0: that story where she has a husband at home, and that's it?
1: That's as much as it needs to be. It's as much as it needs to be. I mean, yeah, she she comes around to the idea that actually he's the one she loves, and she's just getting caught up in all that stuff, but.
2: It kind of it yeah. The tension, the tension en- it's tension enough, isn't it, with her and her husband at home? Yeah. Who keeps saying, you know, why, what is this job? Where do you keep going? And then you reach yeah. yeah. that point, point where nice he finds guy. out
1: about it and gets involved and in he, it, and you a, think, right, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a because superhero how, thing, though. Isn't yeah, well, it? it's I was a superhero. Say, yeah.
0: It's and all other series as well. Like I don't know. I was just about to bring up Alias as well mm. a few minutes ago <laughs> in relation to something else, but again, that's the same. She goes off and she has all these um experiences Mm. once she gets brought into whatever the organization it is that she gets taken into but then she goes home and she's a student and her mates aren't allowed to find out
2: all the color is there in the situation
0: isn't it the color is
1: all there it's almost
0: like they said right we've got a bunch of cliches that we need to adhere to how can we subvert the cliches to make them not be the cliches Mm. but it's like if you then subvert every cliche, you just kind of ended up with this weirdly shaped mess that doesn't that that that's gone so far away from being this thing or that thing or the other thing that yeah. it's
2: not actually a thing anymore. No. But that was the other thing, wasn't it, about deciding whether or not it should have been purely for adults or for a teenager crossover or for kids, because kids watched it. Yeah, well it was it, part of the Doctor Who thing, so kids were always gonna watch. They were always it. gonna sneak and watch it. But so they it wasn't quite adult enough and I wish they had of just <laughs> It's a funny thing. Done is it. yeah. Gone the idea of being
1: it. adult, the adult side of it should be reflecting the stories and the content. Yeah. But instead yeah. it felt like oh, let's throw some things in that the kids know they shouldn't be watching.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's, it's cheap thrills. You know, yeah. to say uh, to jump forward then to children of yeah. earth there's no swearing and there's no sex in children of earth. No. it just tells a grown up story mm.
2: there mm. is a little bit of humor, but it's dark isn't it I think there's one where Jack's being held in concrete or or killed and he keeps coming back to life and it's like a torture oh, there's aspects, yeah there's a bit of humor in that there's yeah. Yeah, there is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there's also some incredibly um dark and very adult themes i mean the you know Peter Capoli's character. Who, you know, it's it's a dark moment.
0: You're talking Children of Earth again now? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you brought it, I just sort of carried on with with that. But, yeah, no, I just, you know, that's that's what we're talking about. That's where we go, all right, I wouldn't let my nine-year-old son watch this.
1: It's very difficult, and I was very aware when I was watching it of trying to be, you know, trying to separate my Dot 2 head from it. You know, oh, elsewhere in Dot 2 land, people are shagging. You know, it, I didn't want to be thinking that. But it, kept like it, it felt like it kept being sort of shoved in my face. Well, the trouble with that way. was
0: episode two. <laughs> mm. Well, and this is what I was going to say. And I think I mentioned this sort of briefly in passing. I'm not sure I did, actually. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I, there's a, I, actually, I might have done. I think, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to organise the sentence in my head, Lee, before it comes <laughs> spilling out of my mouth. Okay, the problem with Torchwood isn't the writing. I think the, because the, no, the people who is. don't like Torchwood point at it and say, "Oh, the scripts are dreadful."
1: No, I don't think the that. scripts
0: are dreadful. I think the scripts, actually, from what I remember of it, the scripts are really good. Mm. It's just that the scripts are having to bend around all these things that the production is imposing on them. Yeah, when com- I say the production content,
1: it must include this. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you've got, for example, the the. Episode two, the first Chris Chibnall one, day one it's called, which Mm. is Gwen's first day actually on the job. And it's the sex monster that kills people during sex. Yes, That's like, uh, as I recall Mm -hmm. it, it's a really interesting story about Gwen that's being undermined by the sex monster. If they'd have made the monster anything else other than a sex monster... That would have been a really interesting story yeah, just about the Gwen. Weevils.
3: For and Chris Chibnall yeah, really good on character
1: later in the series? Maybe that could have worked later in the series. It just felt well, like... no. Because it, it you was...
0: had to have that episode there because you had to have the first story being about Gwen's. First oh no, no, day no I understand. What I'm
1: saying the sex monster
0: side of it. Oh no, I'd have got rid of the sex monster altogether. Would just you? take the sex monster out. There's a monster. It's killing people. It doesn't have to be killing people during sex, right? Mm. You know, tell the same story. Just take the sex element out. There's a part part of the story is like all nightclubs and this kind of stuff because they're obviously aiming at the older teen market. Doesn't need that. Can be in a shopping centre if the story you're telling is grown up enough. And if you're telling a grown up story about a grown up woman who's in her first day of a new grown up job, that's grown up. Mm. You know, not mm. sex monsters and nightclubs and drugs and all this kind of stuff. That's the grown up stuff. And as I recall that episode. She's really good in that. She's really well written in that. Mm. And it's all the sex monster nightclubs that spoils it.
2: Which would have probably come from Ross T. Davis, I'd imagine. Give, the, the, I think give, so. Dealing out little lumps here and there. Because that's,
0: that's the impression you get yeah. during that series. The is more that,
2: I understand about it, and the more interesting it and is. And the, the thought f- process that come out.
0: And the further away you get from the start of that series, the fewer and fewer stupid ideas you've got. And the more and more good ideas you've got. And by the end of that series, you're actually getting... And in fact, by Random Shoes, I I picked completely the wrong place to stop watching. Because Random Shoes is the first of the good ideas. Mm. And the week before, Countryside, in spite of probably being the best episode, but Mm. Countryside was the last of the bad ideas, if you want to put it that way. Countryside is the last of the shock ideas. Yeah. Random Shoes Very well done, though. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's brilliant. But, but that's the last one that aims to shock. And random shoes is the first one where it says, right, let's get away from shocking. And let's actually say to ourselves, let's do some proper sci-fi ideas in story this series yeah. and tell a story. And random shoes tells a really interesting story about a mm. really interesting character. Mm. And that's the turning point. Mm. And that's when I stopped
1: watching. <laughs> Ridiculously,
0: <laughs> I didn't stop watching because I didn't think it was any good. Because actually, that week I thought, "Oh, this is the best episode yet." Yeah, and just stop watching for se-
1: not stop watching. You know, stop rewatching. There's yeah, I, by I experienced a lack of drive with keeping keeping with it. It, it I think I missed one episode and, and
2: just didn't c- catch up with it again until towards the end of the, the series, if I remember rightly. But you know what? That just quickly back to the sex monster. Um, I liked the idea of that. I thought that's a brilliant idea. I just love it because it is a very grown up thing. Only grown ups would understand about mm-hmm. having an orgasm and then being taken over, yes. or whatever. Yeah, it's it's an energy basic. I like the idea of that. It's just handled so shoddily, wasn't it? And, like and say, because it, pasted, it slotted into the first episode, it was so it made it badly. Oh, this is, first, yeah. this is
1: the template for the series. This is what we're going to be doing. Yeah, 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 Your yeah. kids, you're going to love this because yeah. be people shagging and there's going to be all these weird, twisted ideas. And I, I don't think that was what was intended. No, but that's, that's how it came across. Between
0: that and the, the fourth episode, Cyberwoman is Ghost. Is it called Ghost Worlds? I think it's called Ghost Worlds. Mm. Oh, we all go to our book, Ghost, ghost Machine. Machine. Ghost Machine. Which has got that. That's the one. The That's, ghost? that's the first sci fi one. Mm. As opposed to um, just. <laughs> that's the first science fiction one as opposed to sci-fi one that I was don't... quite
2: good wasn't it Ghost Machine or, yes I it was
3: right.
0: I think that was like an odd fish out at that point point. and then episode 5 was the PJ Hammond one with yes the, the small world fairies angels things. the fairies yeah. yeah, but that was the point at which Torch would well it was before Random Shoes so it's while well, they're still aiming to shock so you've got fairies stealing small children, and of course it ends up on that, Does that bit at the end, do you remember how it ends?
2: Kind of, <laughs> I think it was, it was a weird one, wasn't
0: it? It ends with the fairies winning, and with the child deciding to go off with the fairies, right, yeah. and so the parent loses the child, and it's almost like, the ending of this story, the child wins and the fairy wins, but Torchwood lose and the world loses. And Yeah. And again, because of where it was in the series, even though that was an interesting idea, and because it was so early in the production, so they're still not quite sure what they're doing, the tone of that episode was wrong. Mm. I think in terms of like the direction, mm.
3: uh,
0: so the direction wasn't quite as sympathetic to the material as it could have been. And of course, the idea at the end, because of where it comes in the series and because of the tone is still amped up to the, yes, there's going to be banging and there's going to be swearing, even though there wasn't in that episode. But, you know, that was still what the tone of the direction was given off. So that just felt like it was deliberate shock value again at the it end. It felt
2: like a, a wrong move, that episode. I remember thinking at the end of it going, there's, there was no reason you could have had a you could have saved the child, just done it in a more clever way. And the fairies are still there, they're still around, they're still interdimensional beings or whatever it is. You know, they're still a threat. They could come back later on, you could deal with them. It. But why have a child, you know, why lose the child at the end and just accept it? I don't know, it just felt, you're right, it's just perfect kind of shock value writing, really, wasn't it? Is there an argument for it's saying that there
1: could be a certain amount of cramming in as much as the, this was a series, they didn't know if they were going to get a second series, so maybe they're just cr- trying maybe. to cram all these ideas in. Mm. Um, But what it really needed was simplicity, certainly with the central characters. Simplicity, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. To allow the stories to breathe.
0: Well, this is the thing about Doctor Who. If you're going to do what's basically an anthology series where it's a different story every week, as opposed to uh, something like Lost, where each episode makes up a chapter in the story. But if you're going to do something where it's a completely different story every week... Then your background characters. In these American things, for example, something like a CSI or an NCIS or whatever, all the characters, main characters in it, all have story trajectories, but they're not huge. No, no. Whereas in Torchwood, it felt like because they were doing that, they had to give everybody a huge trajectory. And i tell you why else, what happened with Torchwood that's quite interesting is, and this is to go off, Completely. I think we'll come back and talk a bit more about Series 1 in a minute, but to go off completely. Series 1 of Torchwood was a huge success in America, what? relatively speaking. Yeah. And to, was it was Torchwood that opened the door for Doctor Who. Mm. And I'll tell you for why. Doctor Who is, to an American's eyes, very British. Mm. But Torchwood is, to an American's eyes, very British, in spite of the fact, to a Brit's eyes, it's us. Doing all the things that Americans do. And the way this works is the Americans look at Torchwood and see only the British stuff. The British look at Torchwood and see only the American stuff. But by looking at Torchwood, being an American and seeing only the British stuff, what that does is it says to you, the American stuff gets it in under the door. You don't appreciate the fact that they're doing a series the way you do a series because you're looking at the stuff that's on the surface. Mm. So that gets you in under the door, and by doing so, people who'd never normally watch British series suddenly say, "Oh, funny how the Brits can do like a sci-fi thing that's really British, and I can really get it." Yeah. But of course, the reason you get it is because of all the American stuff you didn't notice that's tucked away in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then they say, oh, "I wonder what else the British do that sci-fi stuff." Oh, and here's this thing called Doctor Who. And because Torchwood has jumped you between the two points, all of a sudden you can take the even more Britishness of Doctor Who because you have this right. stepping stone An in acceptable
2: between. bridge. Hmm.
0: And that's what happened. Hmm. Doctor <laughs> Who became successful in America after Torchwood. And then when Stephen Moffat started writing Doctor Who and Stephen Moffat writes Doctor Who.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say this is interesting. The gaps the people the gaps that people complain about in Stephen Moffat's writing, which aren't actually there. It's just things are inferred and you can you can tell, you know, the whole Danny and Clara relationship, all those spaces where you know they're having a normal relationship. Yeah. You see these little windows into their life and you know they're having a normal relationship, you know. You know, they're probably doing rude things with each other every now and again. There's no need for anything else. There's no need for a Torchwood in the Moffat world of Doctor. Well, Who.
0: well the reason why Moffat's Doctor Who's successful is because Stephen Moffat writes Doctor Who like the Americans write Battlestar Galactica mm. and the West Wing and things like that. He structures the series in the same way. Russell T. Davis structured Doctor Who with a beginning and then you gradually go up to the end. Mm. And although he put tent pegs episodes in the middle like Dalek, that's like spikes for a British audience. Mm. That's a spike of interest. But Stephen Moffat actually tells a story in two halves where there's Mm. a turning point halfway, which is how the Americans tell series Mm. across longer runs of episodes. The Americans, they have half a series on before Christmas and then they have a six week break and then it comes back sort of middle end of January and mm. does the second half of the series. And at that halfway point, the story will turn from one thing to another. The really obvious example is in series six, where you run up to the halfway point, you find out River Song is Amy and Rory's daughter, and then you go <laughs> on to the ending. And so the first half of the series is, who's River Song? And the second half of the series is, now how do we save the Doctor? And you don't realise while you're watching that that's the story you're being told. Mm. Less obvious in series one is that actually he's telling the story of a marriage and the halfway point in there is when Rory becomes part of the team. And so the bridging point in the middle of that story that changes it is, Oh, there's this guy called Rory. Oh, he's dead. Mm. And that's kind of Stephen Moffat, not exactly the way the Americans do it at this point because, but he's telling a story in the way that Americans understand. you got five episodes with Amy To introduce you to her. Then you've got four episodes with Rory. To introduce you to what the story is going to be. And a disaster. Oh my god. How are we going to solve this? And at the end Rory's back. They get married. There's the end of your story. Mm. So Stephen Moffat has structured his series. In a way that. An American wouldn't recognise. As being the American way to structure a series. Yeah it's interesting you say that. But that gets in an. In a subconscious way. Yeah. They go,
1: oh, right, I understand that. There's a... Have you watched Jessica Jones yet,
2: Lee? The first episode.
1: Oh, only the first episode. Yeah. All right. It's, they do a very interesting thing with the character Luke Cage.
2: Right. With Jessica,
1: where he's brought in early in, in, on the, epi- in the series, then disappears again. Then he suddenly comes back, and like you say, something happens. Of course, and the then American he becomes thing, important all yeah. of a sudden. It's really clever.
0: The, the Americans are changing it now, of course, thanks to the box set generation Mm. and things like Netflix and Prime, by putting series out all in one go. You don't need to structure your series like that anymore. But of course, that's the way they're used to doing things. So, And you even go back as far as the X-Files. And the X-Files would start (laughs) with an arc episode. Then there'd be a bunch of stories that didn't really have anything to do with anything. And then in the middle of the series, you'd suddenly get a little bit of arc. Yeah. And then it goes away again until the end. And they're used to that. Funny,
2: X Files. I would say it was related to Torchwood. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say it's is the closest relation in, in, in some ways, isn't it? Because mm. X Files, again, like you say, it had these. Um, well, let's go for the bags of crisps, shall we? But they had these bags of crisps. But they were, again, even, they more were consistent. They were a team, in this case, only yeah. two
0: people,
1: investigating a different mystery every week. Yes. And it, could, and it they could be very, very different. And mm. then there's that moonlight thing in the middle. With, which they actually played really well in the X-Files, better than they did in Moonlighting. Yeah, yeah. well we they won't. Really they really
0: well in Moonlighting, actually. That's the one thing I do remember about that program.
1: Uh, yeah, it was it worked well up until the point when they did get together, and then it kind of oh, went. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All
2: I remember about Moonlighting is a god awful theme tune. But there we go. I can't remember the theme
0: did... Oh, I can't remember. I didn't even recognise it from that.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a drunk,
0: Back to series one, then. After Random Shoes, it suddenly gets interesting. And you get stories. Yeah, we're going to dive into our papers to remember the... <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is the kind of
0: the. the oh, yeah. actually, I see Random Shoes is episode nine. That's where I stopped mm. off. Good rather than seven. It was right. after, of course, it was after Greek bearing. There's gifts. There's a
2: giant sigh of relief all the time. i can't remember fans Random Shoes. you finally got the number of the episode right.
0: <laughs> Greek Sparing Gifts, of course, was another shock tactic one, wasn't it? It was the lesbian yeah. alien. Yes. Or whatever it was, or the alien lesbian Which, machine. Ironically,
2: I think it's the same alien or the same alien type that turns up at Sarah Jane isn't it? Oh, I don't know. One of the episodes uh, But Toby Williams
0: wrote it. He wrote the Sarah Jane, didn't he?
2: Yeah.
0: And I think that's what you're talking about.
2: Have we ascertained whether the
1: gauntlet was anything to do with Russell on? I don't think it was anything to do with Russell on, Simon. The gauntlet. I think you're just saying something that's not there. The resurre- no, I think it was The Resurrection the, Gauntlet. The Resurrection Gauntlet, yeah. Because it was, well, obviously it was his gauntlet and all of a sudden Timothy Dalton turns up with his gauntlet, so everyone's saying, oh, is it the same one? No, I don't I think
2: so. No? Okay, no. it's right. It's a visual thing as instance. opposed to. There's, yeah. there's, no,
1: there's no connection story-wise. It's just no, a
0: discussion. Yeah, well, Rassilon, as far well back as the deadly assassin, had his sash and his rod. <laughs> so it doesn't if you know hey, his big glove yeah if you can have a big rod it stands to reason that you're going to need a big glove to take care of your big rod
2: <laughs> hey I uh, yeah they just i laughed the,
1: they should have just filled <laughs> torchwood with the innuendo we would have been do you know what we've would have been happier without captain jack just going around with a bit of innuendo rather than actually
2: seeing carry on, mm. on touchwood stuff
1: yeah
0: but yes, end of first series of Torchwood, all of a sudden it gets really interesting. Random Shoes, that was nine, wasn't it? Mm. Ten is Out of Time, which is the one where the aeroplane turns up from the 1940s with three people on. And that, that, that was, was a lovely. Catherine Dragena episode. That was lovely, the woman really who, good, I like that. Well, that was treated really well, because instead of dwelling on sci-fi stuff, they just looked at the three characters. Because, you know, when you write sci-fi, and this is... This is a very fanfic thing to do. You think of your plot. If you're a decent writer, what you'll do is you'll think of your premise and stick your characters into your premise and let the plot take care of itself out of what the characters would do. You don't think, uh, you know, you don't think, oh, X needs to happen, Y needs to happen. You think, oh, X is in this situation. Let's see what he does when he gets there. And we were virtually time, having this
1: conversation before you yeah, turned up. To saying about But out. we were saying about, we want X and Y to happen, but you get these characters who come in and they start steering the story instead. Yeah, they yeah. just, they write themselves. After well, all. this
0: is what happens in Out of Time. Out of Time is a classic case of sitting a writer down with a premise and letting the writer allow the characters to work the premise out. Mm. So you get three different characters who've come from 1945, whatever it is, and they each have a different trajectory and they each have a different end point. Mm. But you can tell when you watch that episode yeah. that the writer didn't sit down and say, right, I need to kill this one off, I need to send this one back, and I need to have this one adapt so well that he becomes a computer video game designer or whatever. <laughs> she sits down with her three characters and says, right, this person's like this, how would that person react if they were brought forward 70 years in time? Mm. Well, I said we weren't going to go through episode by episode. Combat is the Noel Clark one, which feels like a throwback.
2: Oh, that was the uh, Fight Club one, wasn't yeah, it, yeah, with yeah. the Weevils? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I mean, straight away we all went, that's Fight Club with Weevils. But <laughs> I really enjoyed that, and I don't know why. There was something quite well, dirty I, about it. Yeah, that I was going to say,
0: it, on the surface of it, it looks like a throwback to the Deliberate shocks. <sighs> yeah. Because it's Fight Club. But actually, once you get past the point at which it's Fight Club, actually Noel Clarke sat down and written a story about the character Mm. and, again, has allowed the character to work the story out. So actually, combat, in my memory, as far as I remember it from when when I watched it back in 2006, as I remember it, combat was a surprisingly actual grown-up episode as opposed to grown-up because people were effing and blinding. Yes, that's Mm.
2: right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, yeah. this this was That's the point at which Torchwood was actually springing surprises by being better than you expected it to be.
1: So I'm thinking more and more about the parallels between it and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Who's the main character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? S.H.I.E.L.D., agents. surely, because S.H.I.E.L.D.'s got all these agents. <laughs>
2: Um, Agent Humberber, the one that's supposed to have died in Avengers. Yeah, Agent Humberber.
1: Humberber. Yeah, Humber-Bur.
2: Humber-Bur. yeah. <laughs> that's him. Isn't yeah. that but obviously characters... you've got this
1: <laughs> from Lolita? But the same thing happens with him, where <laughs> so many episodes in, you start understanding why he's not dead, and little things come in. Yeah. And the same thing happens with Captain Jack. Yeah. About three quarters of the way through the series, yeah. didn't it?
0: Well, yeah. Oh, yes. know is... what happens is you've got. Which I loved that. I loved finding that out. And now you've got another Catherine Triganer episode, which is Captain Jack Hartness. Mm which is where she switches out of time. So in Out of Time, she brings people forward from the past and says what happens to these people when you blonk them in the future. And then in Captain Jack Harkness, you do it the other way around. You find out what happens to Captain Jack in the past.
2: You find out why he gets his name, and it's a a lovely episode. Oh, it wasn't that lovely. It was pretty effing nasty, that episode, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I don't mean lovely as in sweet and tasty, but (laughs) as in well-delivered, I thought.
0: But again, it was a sign of Torchwood growing up because, although it was quite shocking at the ending, as I recall, mm. it was an ending that came out of the story rather than being the story was there to facilitate the ending.
2: But there was a there was a, a link, wasn't there, between this and the, the last one or two in the series. This is this, the second to the, last one. Oh, right. There was an apocalyptic ending, wasn't there? Mm. Yes,
0: the last end. The last episode of series one is the apocalypse, isn't it? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that comes, comes out of... It comes
2: out of nowhere, doesn't it?
1: That
0: but It comes out of episode 12, because, uh, if I remember rightly, Captain Jack does something in episode 12 in the Torchwood hub that disrupts... Because the Torchwood hub's built on the rift, isn't the it? The rift, yeah. And doesn't he open up the rift?
2: Or oh, does Owen open up the rift? One of them Owen does. Owen opens up the rift to try and get that woman back, doesn't he? Or something uh, to do with... At oh, could be, could be. Doesn't he, isn't that his little arm?
0: Anyway, there's a, they open up the rift, which allows the apocalypse to happen. Yeah. In. Abaddon, is it? The name
2: of yeah. the devil Ag- that Ag-A-Doo. comes
0: through? Abaddon, Don, Don. <laughs> isn't that a character from big devil in this guy. Yeah. Abaddon, gonna make your for you can refuse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a CBeebies series. <laughs> Abaddon. Abaddon, just uh, want to tell you a story
0: about my daughter. She's going to get married. I just need your blessing, Abaddon. <laughs> for my daughter getting married. Hey, just struck me cat. I bless your daughter.
1: <laughs> We're not really in a position I've, to criticise. I think the, the miff has literally in. just opened up underneath JR there. <laughs> it made, it's made me want to watch it again because there's an awful lot in there.
0: Yeah, it's no, no. very rich, like Lee said. It's very rich and very yeah. weird.
2: And... That, that last episode's a bizarre one. I mean, I don't know whether I enjoyed it or not. I th- I found it a little bit bonkers, but I I like love, bonkers. I loved, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of love the creature. And how did he get rid of it again? Something to do with his own immortality again, wasn't it? Mm.
0: Probably. Yeah. I can't remember how it ends. was like
2: s- there was a lot of stuff? Set he in kind the of sacrifices, sacrifices himself, me, doesn't he? Suck my life. Uh, I'm not going to say it because it's going to come out wrong,
0: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like the way Children of Earth ends.
1: Kind of,
2: yes. can't remember. I think it is, yes,
0: yeah, something like that. Oh, I
2: thought that. it was a bit like the you know, kind of the Doctor Who, um, Rings Wolf. of Akaten and Bad Wolf and that sort of thing, where he's really powerful. I know he's got all his regenerations and he's powerful. And, you know, feast on my memories or feast on my soul, you'll never kind of fill yourself up because I've got so much of it. Wasn't it something like that? Cause some, oh, it could be, but then that's the
0: same thing. It's like oh, a, right. it's a classic case of um, giving the big bad too much of what it wants yes. so that it feasts itself to death sort of thing. Yeah. I mm. think it worked. Yeah, well, mm. the thing is, endings are never, ever, not in anything... Well, very rarely, actually, because we've had a few of late, I think. But endings very rarely satisfy, because, uh, especially across the course of a series, in a film, you've got two hours, and the ending jumps up and gets you before you've really had time to think about it. Yeah. But in a series where you've got a week's downtime between episodes, your imagination is always going to do something uh-huh. different from what
1: happens. All this aside, when it got to Children of Earth... And when Owen and Tosh copped it, I was gutted.
2: Oh, uh, really?
1: Probably my two favourite characters, yeah, by the end of it all.
2: Yeah. But that was brave, but also it needed to be done, didn't it? Don't you think? Do you think? Yeah, because we to make the threat seem real. Yeah, yeah. And also, it was all coming to an end, really. Mm. I think in everybody's heads, they knew this was. Well, this is is the
0: thing Uh, Series 1 of Torchwoods on BBC3. And it's successful enough on bbc3 it got the highest ever rating for um drama on bbc3 and i think that record still stands it got over a million viewers on bbc3 the first mm. episode i think and mm. that's like unprecedented on sort of those digital channels again, this is we're on the more used to the... getting like a quarter of a million on.
1: The R T D effect, though, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's, it's
0: Doctor Who, because Doctor Who's hugely popular at mm. this point. And you've just had Series 2 as well. You've just had Doomsday. Yeah. And Series 2 is where Doctor Who consolidates. Because the first series, actually, for all that everybody thinks, it was really, really popular. That was being watched by, like, six million or so people. It wasn't being watched by anything like as many people as were when you had David Tennant, you know, the David Tennant effect. Mm. David Tennant was an automatic extra million viewers on top of everything. <clears throat> And that's got nothing to do with Doctor Who. That's just all down to David Tennant, really. But having said that, then you throw something like Torchwood out. And, you know, that's only a million people as opposed to seven million are watching David Tennant. Mm-hmm. But even so, there's there's kind of that weird thing there. It's like we've put it on BBC Three and it's getting a million viewers on BBC Three where we were expecting like a quarter of a million what would it get if we moved it on to terrestrial telling? Mm-hmm. So series two moves up to BBC two and series two successful enough on BBC two that then it gets bumped up to BBC one. And then children of us successful enough on BBC one that it's like the only way we can go now is do a series in America. Oh, yeah. So they go and do a series in America, you know, which bombs really. It was relatively it was successful enough that at the end of it It everybody said it it
1: didn't seem to know what it wanted to be did it It
0: but just just to finish my train of thought it was successful enough that at the end of it everybody involved said oh it was successful enough that we're thinking about doing another one but it wasn't so successful that they actually did
1: Hmm. 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 it's interesting it made me thought this whole idea of the adult angle the last thing I'm going to say about it recently um, interesting reaction to the Deadpool movie Oh yeah! The, in as much as the movie companies are making sounds like, "Wow, this R-rated superhero movie worked really well. Let's do some more of it." What we're going to do? Oh, let's do an R-rated Wolverine movie. Missing
2: the point. They are missing the point. That's, they're missing yeah. the There's point. There's been loads of R-rated comic book movies anyway. Yeah, I mean, not loads. necessarily good ones, but yeah. yeah, Blade for one. Yeah, that's quite good. There've been loads of them. So, difference but they're missing the point. They're saying,
1: "Oh, let's do superhero movies with swearing and." You know, and all that sort of thing so there's a danger that they're going to start doing the same thing and I think it was kind of that's what happened with the first Torchwood was kind of missing the point yeah, adults great doing something for a different audience is great but that it doesn't necessarily t- have Deadpool to be Deadpool is
2: designed to be like yeah, that yeah, exactly like, like Tank Girl is designed to yeah. be like that mm. you, you don't you don't take people from a universe that's already safe uh, in the kiddies world and then make it like a Deadpool for, it just wouldn't work that'd be awful mm. leave it alone we Sil- silver surfer with a doner. Like, well, he just wouldn't
0: have one. There's no need to change what already works because something else that worked in a different way has worked in a different way. Mm. Mm. And, you know, maybe that's the classic reason why Torchwood, ultimately, in the eyes of Doctor Who's fans, Let's doesn't look work. It. But yeah. in the eye of people who'd never seen Doctor Who, all the Americans who took it to heart. And a huge amount of the people in Britain who were watching it weren't watching Doctor Who because they thought Doctor Who was a children's programme. Mm. So actually, you suddenly got a load of people who turned out to be Torchwood
1: fans with no reference to Doctor Who at all. If you look at it in inverse, let's go back to the Sarah Jane adventures. Oh my God, you're reading my mind.
2: Yeah, go on. Yeah.
1: Well, exactly what what, what did you do, like... children's writers? What do you do? Well, well, you don't treat the children like children. You just write a good story, but yeah. the content is such that it doesn't touch on certain subjects. So what do you do in Inverse? You say, well, we just treat it like a Doctor Who with intelligent stories, but there's certain subjects that we can touch on.
2: I, 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 but I'm, we don't... Yeah,
1: ironically... You know, I you don't think, do a kid series and stick a load of Teletubbies in there, do you?
2: No, ironically, I think Sarah Jane Adventures, have, they've nailed it better than Torchwood have in mm. getting their tone right, the consistency right. But also, some of the uh, stories they tell are actually quite grown up. Mm. Um and they you know, there's a, there's and they're a lot appropriate of emotion. to the audience. And, and yeah. They are appropriate, yeah. But they're also, you know, a lot of them have me emotionally welling up and I was thinking, this is a flipping, it's supposed to be a kids programme, what's going on? But it was mm. so well done. Mm.
0: Well the difference is the conceit in Sarah Jane adventures the conceit tends to be something that's so simple that the conceit really is a tiny little part of the story and then it becomes about what you do with the characters. Mm. And actually Sarah Jane suffers a little bit from the sort of 90210 effect as I call it and that at the end of every episode you go back to the kids and what did the kids think of that? <laughs> no, it's not the high five thing. No, it's not the high five thing. It's the opposite. It's okay. what did you think of that and how has that affected you emotionally and they have a conversation about mm-hmm. it. okay. And you do get that in Sarah Jane. And, it, and, you know, in spite of what you think about the story, it does talk down to the kids a bit because at the end of every episode, it's telling the kids what to yeah, think about us, what they've just we're seen. We're all family
1: now. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, there are those moments. They're a bit sickly. But just generally speaking, I think the whole episode's that's a That's what fun. you have
0: to do in children's TV. Yeah. You know, and. The He Man thing.
1: Is it in He-Man as well? <laughs> well it's not uh, quite no, as bad as He-Man. Is. would end with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> hey kids, you know.
2: Don't smoke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was literally, it would, the story would end and then you'd get, He-Man would come back and say, that reminds me, kids, you know. If someone at school's grabbed a football, you better be nice to them. <laughs> do they? No. They never said that. They should have. But no, they didn't. Well, I didn't think he actually
0: said that. No. I mean, that yeah, was no, how the episode's ended, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. It was a... Never saw it. But yeah. But that's what you do in kids' TV. You know, kids' TV, especially on um, the BBC, where they've actually got a charter to fulfill, you have to have those things in there. Mm. That's part of what, where yeah. the reason why you're getting the money to make it in the first place, to have those things in there. Awesome. But the conceits in Sarah Jane were—I don't like to use the word "simple," but they were very. The conceits in Sarah
1: Jane were very direct. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. but they did treat the kids like they're they're intelligent enough, you know. It was time oh, yeah. travel. There was paradox stories. There was all manner of things. Because you things took things a very,
0: very direct conceit, mm. and then you can tell, uh, for one of a better expression, grown-up story about the conceit because the conceit is so direct that you don't have to think about it. Mm. Whereas in Torchwood. Um, by the sort of two-thirds of the way through that first series, they're actually telling conceits that, you know, like the difference between high concept and not high concept. High concept, you can say it in a single sentence, and that's Sarah Jane. Most of the ideas in Sarah Jane you can say in a single sentence. Whereas in Torchwood, by the time it gets good, you can't anymore. (laughs) The conceits are a lot more complicated. Mm. But, but... Then you still have to tell a story on the same level around the conceit so that and when I say confusing, I don't mean literally in a I can't follow this kind of a way, but in a way that confuses the audience into not knowing who to care about and what to care about, because that's the most important job in writing and in directing and in producing TV or books or films or anything. The most important job is not to confuse the audience about who and what they should care about. You know, unless you're deliberately doing that as some kind of a red herring, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you know, the hero's the hero. And this is the thing with Torchwood, right? We said it about an hour ago. You talked about flawed heroes. In a movie, in a decent movie, any hero is going to be flawed. But that flaw is the thing that makes you think, oh, he's not so different from me. Mm. And there's no confusion about whether you care for him and He has to, in some way, overcome that flaw. Whatever it is, it might be a broken finger. It might be that he killed his first girlfriend 20 years ago when he was a student in medical school or something. Some, there will be something and you're on the hero's side as the hero is trying to get past that. In Torchwood, at the start, it's all about the flaws Mm. and they don't paint characters or the production doesn't allow them to paint characters mm. that you actually care about and you want to get past the flaws you just see the flaws for the first few weeks mm. and by the time you get past that and they start telling interesting stories this is what i found it was too late and i didn't care about any you of those didn't characters like them, did you?
2: no yeah, no you're right that's that's exactly it. even captain jack i think failed quite a few times it's only until i think the second series started picking up his actual storyline a bit more his past where you, you got to
0: Was it drift where you actually got to go and see him on his alien world? That's it
2: yeah that was the moment where I felt more rooted that to that right character That was right at the end of series 2 as well oh, wasn't was it? it? Second
0: to last uh, episode I think or something, that's something like that
2: Suddenly I felt rooted to him right near his tenure um, um,
0: Third last episode Good
2: grief 11
0: of 13
2: Well it's building up wasn't it that, that idea of his uh, past he Well this is why Cap,
0: what's it called Captain John who comes in in the first one is it?
2: Hmm I
0: can't remember what he's called, but they call him... Spike. His... I was calling him
2: Spike. Yeah, it's called him Spike. Well, this is why
0: he comes in the first episode, to sort of tease the fact that the second series is actually going to reveal things about Captain Jack, I think. Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: Mm. And then you go off and you get some old episodes. And as I recall, the first few episodes of Series 2 felt like a bit of a nether region. <laughs>
1: Surely it's a better choice of words, please. (laughs) Well, episodes like meat. Oh, dear, it gets
0: worse. (laughs) (laughs) Series one starts off with a bunch of episodes. I I found
2: meat fulfilling, actually, as an episode.
0: (laughs) Actually, a lot of people have said that, but all I remember is that dreadful special effect of the space whale or whatever it was.
2: I thought it was fine.
0: Series 1 starts off with a bunch of episodes that intend to shock and at the end tells a bunch of really intelligent stories in a really intelligent way. Series 2, by the end of it, tells a bunch of really intelligent stories in a really intelligent way. But at the start of Series 2, it's neither intending to shock nor is it telling really intelligent stories. Mm. So those first half a dozen episodes of Series 2, in spite of the fact that they were an improvement on series one in that they weren't deliberately shocking you anymore. Yeah. Just kind of didn't seem to have a reason for existing. No. They're just kind of there. There was just something kind of nether about them.
1: No, it's like a coup getting matey from uh, Buffy in there. I think was the big thing, wasn't it, with the first episode?
0: Yeah, with the very first one. But yeah. then
1: after that, what were the next six episodes? I can't remember. And see thing.
0: and then in the latter half of that first series you've got ones like the Carnival one with Julian Bleach, mm. the yeah. guy from the guy who plays Davros. Mm. And you've got Adrift, the one where you find out about Captain Jack, and then Exit Wounds, the last one, which mm. was the that's the one where Yeah, everybody's telling each other the stories or uh, that's the siege one where is that yeah. the siege one? Exit wins where you get to find out about everybody.
2: So the one where the place uh, gets blown up in the end, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. And Owen doesn't it? dead man walking that's that he dies, yeah, yeah, and that's the, that suddenly becomes really interesting. That's the for s- his,
0: bit where the series turns again, yeah. That's it? an amazing
2: mm-hmm. idea which they just cannot sustain for too long, unfortunately. But it is a great idea. That's a great episode. Really tough to watch sometimes when you think about it. You know, it's it's a hard one. Is RTD the last one? No, it's Chris Chibnall. Chris
3: Chibnall.
0: Mm. Uh, RTD only ever wrote one episode of Torchwood prior to Children of Earth. I was
2: was reading The Writer's Tale, just started reading it, and there's this uh, correspondence uh, correspondence between Benjamin Cook and RTD, and he's been offered by Julie uh, Gardner, Gardner mm-hmm. um, an episode to write in, in season two of Torchwood, and it's the first one I think, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And he's he's been told he has to write it. So she's like nagging him, you know, got to write it, got to write. He can't do it. He's got a blank head. He can't write this episode. But he said, all I've got on my head is a blowfish and a sports car. <laughs> And that actually makes it as the opening scene. <laughs> and, of course, he hands over to Chris Chibnall to, to do the work in the end. But, mm. uh, it, yeah, so you, it's interesting, isn't it? You've got these little moments that RTD just walks in and you can tell that that's his influence straight away. In fact, that whole episode feels like his influence. But I don't know. Yeah. I haven't got to the station, book whether or not that's true. Mm. Whether it's, mm. He's written it. I don't know. Uh, it's an that idea for Chris to carry but then, and, But it changes again, second half.
0: Oh yeah, it does. Well, yeah, with the uh, one. Well, Martha turns up,
1: you know, and it's like three letters. Pardon? <laughs> three letters begins with W, ends in Y.
0: <laughs> three letters ends in Y would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, you... that's why you're an editor.
2: Wasn't that the point? Well, this
0: is it. Yeah, it's like. She's like, the reason she turns up halfway through series four of Doctor Who is partly because they think, oh, we need to do something with this actress, obviously. There's a, somewhere in there is. There well, needs this to relates do something to some of you. The actress. Yeah,
1: Lee will say something in a minute, but carry, carry on.
0: But then, the, then the other reason is, you know, the reason she's in The Doctor's Daughter is because you need to have Catherine Tate with David Tennant, but you need to have a subplot. So, oh, what do we do about a subplot? Uh, let's just have Martha tagging along.
1: This is the interesting point.
0: And it it feels like this in Torchwood. It's like she turns up in Torchwood, but then she turns up in somebody else's story in Torchwood. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like she turns up in Torchwood and they're like, okay, here comes a character. We tell a story about this character. She turns up and actually the one she turns up in is the guy from Neighbours who went on to be a big star in America. Yeah. Jim Robinson in Neighbors. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I Can't remember the actor's name, and he's a huge star in America. Yeah, and then he yeah. comes over and does it's a daughter. Yeah. And that's the one where Martha
1: turns up. It's like, I think, if I remember rightly, yeah. I, yeah. On, one, you the... read this something else in the writer's tale about that, didn't you? About Doctor's daughter, about why
2: Martha was there. Yeah, um, I don't remember what it was. Now it was pretty much he. Yeah, that's right. He was he was writing. He was getting ideas for the Doctor's daughter, um, obviously to give to Stephen Greenhorn to write. And he kind of had it all sussed in his head. And I don't think he had Don- Donna in his head at that point. I think it was still Penny, whatever it was that he had created mm. at that point. Um, and he kind of had it in his head. Oh yeah, the, the story's done. And then it was like, oh no, I completely forgot that I'm supposed to have Martha in one of these episodes or two of these episodes, because I have kind of promised that we were going to have the actor back for this. So, Literally, what we were talking about the other week of the feeling of her storyline being crowbarred in—that walk across the surface and everything—it literally is crowbarred in <laughs> <laughs> at the last minute. At the last minute. It, well, I mean, I don't know how, if that actually worked in that way, but that seems like the how the correspondence went. That's yeah, that's a, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It was actually just. Oh God, we better get it. Yeah, well, Oh, right, we better actually, write something. You
0: say amazing, but you look at the episode. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, not that amazing. <laughs> no.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did have to rewatch that the other day. That's. Was... It wasn't a good experience. Did it sting? Did I you have w- to put some cream I on? I honestly it? wanted to find some really positive stuff in there, and I, I found it really hard. I think it's possibly one of the worst or two episodes I've ever watched.
0: Certainly, of the new
2: series, and I don't oh, think. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't think it's any one person's fault, and I think we went through it a lot, didn't we, the other week. It does feel like a a real mixture of of problems.
0: I just thought the tone of Series 4 was wrong from the start, and like I say, I think something happens in Series 3 that causes it to be that way, and in spite of coming in the middle of a story that everybody likes, you know, it's like Caves of Androzani effect. Caves of Androzani was so successful that they tried to do an entire series of Caves of Androzani, and so Season 22 is just a big zero of a series because it's not the caves of androzani and i think series four is an entire series of russell t davis doing something that he'd done by accident very successfully in series three and i'll say what well, that is when we talk about series three
2: My well, doctor's thought it would have been a great annual um cartoon wouldn't it and uh with jenny shooting off into the stars i can imagine her character she existing. shoots off into the stars i can imagine a, ca- a character existing beyond that tv program and, and getting better but oh dear yeah it you know it's kind of
1: doctor daughter is kind of um batmite do you know who i mean by batmite where they created this character for batman where is this like alien who who i think it's I, I don't know the exact story don't i'm not a dc expert for obvious reasons so this <laughs> It wouldn't be a great idea if there was this little creature that hangs around with Batman in a Batman suit called Batmite. Or Batdog. Or something like that. Mm. It just feels like it's... it's... well. Tell tell you what Doctor's Daughter does feel like. mm.
0: In that it's called the Doctor's Daughter. yeah. yeah. And the Doctor gets a clone and Donna says no, she's not your clone, she's your daughter. And you must treat her like your daughter. And the way it's ramming it down our throats that she's his daughter because the Having a child Mm. is the one thing that Doctor Who should never have. It's like those first six episodes of Torchwood, where for the first six episodes, it's like cannibals in the countryside. A woman Cyberman who's got a metal bra. A kid gets stolen by fairies. It's like, yo, just back off a bit. Mm. Tell me the story. Mm. Don't throw the story at me. And Doctor's Daughter feels a bit like that. I'm afraid yeah.
2: I mean, that, that's it. I mean, there's a lovely cartoon... In this book as well, The Writer's Tale. Because uh, Russell D. Davis was very good at artwork, so he could draw a lot of his aliens. But he's drawn this very right, but buxom... People listening
0: to this have read the book.
2: Okay, I, I haven't. But anyway, there's this picture of this buxom blonde, and that's how he imagined it, almost like um, a Barbarella-type character coming out saying, Hello, Dad. And it's oh, it's written there. It's really brazen. And you think, that is all RTD really wanted in that series, so that, that episode is the Doctor's daughter... You know, somebody coming out who's a, a this buxom woman, and it all becoming a little bit actually possibly Alex Kingston and that kind of early template, that idea. But it had to be all boom, bang, and fantastic, and it just didn't really work. But I do appreciate all his other, his other boom, bang, fantastic episodes. Right, let's have a last few
0: words about Torchwood and go off and watch Cyberwoman. Otherwise, we're never going to watch this. Has no, anybody so watched Miracle Day? Just
2: out of interest, did did everybody watch? I didn't uh, yeah, it, yeah. I didn't last it. No, I I think I lasted to the plane. It was they were on the plane and they were what bringing was episode back episode two. <laughs> it's
1: episode two. Yeah, no. Do you know what that what? done the
2: same. They they were on the plane. <laughs> I just I got Captain to the point Jack where was dying. I couldn't give a. Yeah, Captain Jack was dying. Yeah, and then they bring him back to life with this absolute made up business of, of chemicals that were on yeah. the plane. And my, I think Pick was a medical person. She was watching it with me and she was like, what? <laughs> Do you know what the <laughs> problem yeah, brings yeah. back to life with that I, stuff? I, I
1: got to the point where obviously I cared about the central characters to a degree, but it spent so much, long on these new characters who I couldn't actually give a stuff about. It's a miracle the, Day
0: weird. got really interesting around yeah. about episode 5. Okay, there Wasn't there
1: like a one-off episode that was just Absolutely brilliant seven, in the middle of it all. Seven, I think about it was. Yeah. I it must... might have
0: been eight. I think it was seven.
3: Mm. It
0: got really interesting around about episode five for about two episodes. And then it did the episode that you're talking about that was um, just a really nicely judged episode. Mm. And out of the nicely judged episode came an idea that was more like something out of Alias or 24 and then it sort of goes off at a sort of alias stroke twenty-four tangent for a couple of weeks, and then it's all about a giant vagina that runs through the center of the earth.
2: We need to be watching this.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I do. I do. I want to go back and watch all of it. I it. It started off
0: with this really interesting idea about what happens if nobody dies, and you get all these glimpses of things. Like these cults that grow up around this yeah. new religion, that, but all you do is get a glimpse of it. Mm. And you know he brings in this character played by Bill Pullman, yeah. who's this um, pedo. Yeah, who who <clears throat> because of the timing of it gets saved during his execution, and so because he's technically been executed, they can't hold him in prison anymore. So he has to be let free. Uh, So he's walking the streets and he becomes this politician. It's
3: quite 2000 AD, though.
0: (laughs) But he's got like a couple of really interesting ideas that he follows up on. Mm. But it's like he comes up with this really interesting concept and then says, right, here's a couple of interesting ideas and I'll follow up on them. And he just doesn't bother about any of the other ideas. Mm. So in the end, it's really unfulfilling because the whole time you're watching it, you're thinking, I'm only watching half a story here. Because however much concentration he's put into these two ideas to make them add up and make sense, if you stop and think about everything else that's going on, nothing else makes any sense because mm. he's not thought about it.
3: Mm.
0: Or they've not thought about it, whoever the team were who were writing the series. So it gets us to a really interesting place for episodes five and six. And then... After that, you just can't care about anything anymore, no matter how interesting and how good it is. And he kind of, it's like I say in the second half, he kind of goes off into different territories, almost as if after episode six... Episode six is where it should have finished. Episode six should have been the final episode. What they did in episodes five and six should have been the climax of the series. That should have been where it was heading. That should have been the end of it. But because he sticks that in the middle... Then after that, it's like they're fishing around for something to do. Mm. So it's like he's borrowing all these ideas off all these different programs, just to find something to do before he gets to the giant vagina at the end. And then they get to the but giant what about, vagina. I mean,
2: is Torchwood, Torchwood is the, it's the American base, isn't it? Version of Torchwood over there. Uh, that, there's new characters involved. I can't remember much about no, it. No, the, uh, the they... new
0: characters are from the CIA. Torchwood doesn't exist anymore by this point. It's oh, right. so, Captain it? Jack and Gwen go over to America and start it feels working like they're guest with...
1: starring. That's what I think. I yeah. think that's what it is. It feels like a new series and they a series of C- of CSI or something. And all of a sudden you've got them coming over as guest stars. Well, that's okay to me because in Children of Earth, by the time you get halfway through Children of Earth,
0: that's pretty much what's happened mm, anyway because mm. Torchwood's been could destroyed. Could then
2: I could just call it Torchwood USA and had a, an underground Torchwood base?
0: No, there is no Torchwood base in America. Oh, yeah, this is I the know. point. It's. They go over there to get these two people from the CIA involved in their operation. So, but, th- and that's where it's misjudged. Yeah. It's not because it's not about a torchwood base in America and it's not because it's not about the CIA, but it's because these two guys from Torchwood in Wales, uh, are sort of in charge of these two people from the CIA in America. You know, it's just kind of, it, it, the whole thing is just like lots of interesting ideas but only two or three of them ever get any thought put into them mm. and followed mm. through.
1: The other thing of course is Light and Shade. I, don't, I, I get tired of series where everyone's sitting around looking bloody serious all the time. I get mm. really fed up with that sort of thing. I love Light and Shade. So for me to start loving a character, you've got to see that lighter side. You've got to see that kind mm.
0: of... I don't mind Miracle Day in... Terms of the tone of it. Mm. Oh, especially by the time you get to five. Well, or six, it, that's a personal. Really that's
1: a personal thing. That's why I can never watch Babylon Five because it's just, it's, just, it's just relentless, relentless grimacing and relentless seriousness and taking really? itself. So se- yeah, that's what I found.
0: Really? Yeah. I, f- I had a completely opposite reaction to Did it. You? I just thought it was silly. Really? Yeah, I thought it was just too campy. I thought all the serious stuff in Babylon oh, Five yeah. was campy.
1: Well, I suppose it is if you look at it like that, yeah. But I suppose I, yeah.
0: I suppose it depends when you watched it, because I watched it five years later.
1: So. Yeah, I hear very, very good things about it from, from good friends. You know, I, <laughs> I respect like totally, it. but I just couldn't get into it, because as we keep saying, I couldn't care less.
0: I found the story, the arc, interesting, but then thrown away. mm, mm. It's like one of those things where, yeah, you know, the arc in Babylon 5 is there is something so dark. And it's like at the end of the Satan pit where you actually get to meet the devil. And the only way you can pay off on that is if it actually is the devil. And it was. So it pays off. Brilliant story. Mm. Job done. It Babylon 5 was like all the way through. You had got these storylines bubbling up about these creatures from another dimension are so dark. It's like, they're like the dark matter creatures or something. Mm. They're like so dark and so evil that you can't, they're, they're beyond comprehension. Mm. And then they just kind of turn up and it's a short war and they're gone. And I'm like, no, You know that's not how you do it at the end of babylon five everybody's dead the space station's completely destroyed there's a few stragglers left in spaceships who have to regroup and come back and all this kind of stuff it's not just normal battles they don't they don't fight you with guns you know, these creatures that are so dark and all this kind of stuff. With and I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably remembering it completely wrong, but you know what I mean? It just, when you actually got to it, mm. it was just like, you've heard so much about these creatures and, you know, they never like lived that, up to. I feel it. like
2: I've watched it now.
0: I'll well, tell you what he didn't have a giant vagina running through the centre of the air see I've got to watch Miracle Day now I have to anyway just really. watch
2: the last episode <laughs> watch 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and then the last episode how about that
0: I
1: wouldn't
2: bother with 8
1: just five, six, seven,
2: and 10 okay I found the aliens in Babylon 5
1: suffer the same things as Star Trek Next Generation and, and uh, Deep Space Nine in that, uh, that would, they were overrun by different types of nose ridge and then Babylon 5 was just a load of different foreheads yeah. Well, that's Basically. how they do it because they've got to get through
0: it. They, it <laughs> it's a fair enough thing. In America, you got to have these characters who are turning up in one episode after another. <clears throat> you know, you never get an episode of Next Generation without. What's he called? Worf? Is yeah. It? Yeah. So that... you have
1: dishonored me every bloody episode. But yeah. that,
0: but that actor's <laughs> got to go into work every day and have that makeup put on. Mm. And you know, there's a guy in um, Babylon five called Waldorf or something. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Waldo. Is, is it Waldo or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah. He's got to go in every day and have that makeup put on. So, you know, fair enough in mm. that, in those terms, but, but you're <laughs> right.
1: Just, uh, I adore next generation. It.
0: Anyway, we've got off the subject of Torchwood, so should we go and watch uh, Cyberwoman? Yes. And report back. Be late. It's yes. time to go home. I know. Let's we run watch... the risk
1: of my wife turning up drunk halfway through the episode, so it might be worth going late. Okay, let's
0: watch Cyberwoman
1: and then just talk
0: about it for maybe fifteen or twenty minutes after. Okay. This is JR again. And we're going to have to leave this blue box podcast on a cliffhanger because I got called away to a family emergency after we finished watching Cyberwoman. So you'll have to wait till next week to find out what we thought of it. We'll speak again soon.